Welcome to the Construction Disruption Podcast, where we uncover the future of design, building, and remodeling. I'm Todd Miller of Isaiah Industries, manufacturer of specialty metal roofing and other building materials. Today, my co-host is Ryan Bell. Ryan, how's today going for you? Hey, good morning, Todd. So far, so good. How are you? You know, it's not too bad. Um, kind of had an interesting conversation with my wife the other day. Um, I told her that I would like to be cremated. Um, she made an appointment more for me for next Wednesday. So... <laughs> Have I told that one before? I, I don't know. Maybe. Uh, oh, well. well, we'll, we'll An pretend. oldie but goodie. There we go. We'll pretend it's new. So I did have one thing I wanted to kind of talk about. I know, Ryan, you're not a big Facebook guy. Um, but right now it's kind of a trend on, on Facebook and probably other social media that I don't pay attention to. Um, of showing little videos of people who go up and like ring people's video doorbells, their ring doorbell or whatever. And maybe they leave some sort of a joke or an encouraging message or they do some funny antic or something like that. And so that's kind of kind of been a trend here recently. Well, there's one going around right now on Facebook um, that I, I just think is cool. So you've got these, I don't know, three or four kids. They're uh, boys, probably seventh grade or something like that, middle school. And so they go up and one of them you know, hits the doorbell and they're going to, I think what we used to call ding, ding dong ditch. Yeah. Um, they're going to ring the doorbell and run. Um, and uh, it was pretty funny. I've had someone do that once on my video doorbell too, and it was pretty humorous. But anyway, so one of the kids rings the doorbell, the others take off and, and one of the boys stays there and he looks into the camera and I don't remember his exact words, but it's something like he said, I just want to tell you that you matter. Um, you're all right. Um, there's always going to be someone who cares about you. No matter what you're facing, you're all right. You matter. And, you know, and it's going around. And, and I just think it's incredibly cool. Um, and it kind of reminds me a little bit, of course, of a few episodes um, we had kind of stretched way outside of construction a little bit, although it's a topic and subject that that hits construction pretty close to the heart um but we had had a uh, an episode where we talked about suicide and and suicide prevention and um you know one of the things that our guest on that show um had talked about was you know one of the best things you can do when you uh, find someone who's going through a tough time in life is assure them that they matter, that someone cares about them. And that, you know, his encouragement to everybody was, if you're going through that time, talk to somebody. Um, people out there care about you and talk to them. So I just think that video is really, really cool. And who knows, they may have staged the whole thing. I, I doubt it. It looked like it just kind of happened off the cuff. Yeah, I do think I've seen it, and it seemed pretty organic and natural to me. I, in yeah. fact, I think the kids were the ones, or his friends were the ones that rang the doorbell. Yeah. And then he went up because he didn't want to be part of that because they all took off running. And he said something about, like, ignore them or something. And Yeah, that was that was cool. That was good stuff. So anyway, that was a fun one, and uh, need more kids like that out there, that's for sure. So, 
Anyway, well, let's go ahead and dig right into our episode of Construction Disruption. I'm excited about this one. Oh, one of the things I always forget, and I will remember now, is we are doing challenge words this episode. So um, Ryan and I, and also our guest, uh, each have a challenge word we have been given by one of the others that we are challenged to work into the conversation somehow is seamlessly and naturally as we can. And so you, the audience, might be listening for peculiar words that we use. Uh, and at the end, we will reveal whether we were successful in using our assigned word or not. So anyway, let's move forward. So, you know, it's interesting. Um, and I have seen so much change in this in my years in, in business and construction. But, you know, today we, and, and for a number of years now, we live in a world of data and information. Um, you know, I grew up with Encyclopedia Britannica. That was the household thing you went to reference, you went to, to, to get information. And, you know, today we have more information at our fingertips, obviously, than would fill a million sets of Encyclopedia Britannica 40 years ago. Um, but yet, I think the challenge we have is how do we use that information to really benefit our businesses? And uh, today, we're going to talk some about that. We're going to talk about much more, um, including how to develop processes in our businesses that lead to success. And we're going to discuss that with our special guest, uh, Mustafa Morsi. Um, Mustafa is the president of Push Analytics, a company um, that was kind of created to be a bridge between advertising and information um, so that critical business decisions can be made with speed and precision. Uh, Mustafa, welcome to Construction Disruption. It's a pleasure to have you as our guest today. Absolutely. Pleasure to be here, Todd. Thanks for having me. Well, thank you. So, um, you really have a pretty long history in technology and, and also in sales, including several years as a sales engineer and channel manager uh, with Schneider Electric. I'm curious, what market needs um, did you see that led you to co-found Push Analytics? Yeah, I mean, uh, it's definitely uh, kind of like you said, right? There's uh, We live in a, in a world where uh, data is key, data is king, and uh, you know, really to be able to be making the right decisions in, in, in any business, whether it's in construction or outside of construction, um, you really need to be able to have the right data at your fingertips. And, and you need to also um, you know, have good processes in order to enable you to have that data and in order to be able to act on that data prop properly. And they go hand in hand, and we can dive into that in, in a little bit here. Very interesting. Yeah, no, and I love it how you talk about, okay, no point in having all this stuff and trying to do something with it until you have the processes in place to actually make something of it and do positive things. Absolutely. So, I, I'm kind of curious, you know, before we get too much in the weeds, can you give us an overview perhaps of the types of clients that you work with at Push Analytics and maybe even a little bit on the variety of services that ultimately you provide to your clients? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, we um, we work across um, different industries. We work with uh, we work with service based businesses. We work with direct to consumer businesses. We worked with we work with B two B businesses. Um, and um, you know, across the board, what we're helping people with is is really enabling their businesses to succeed more. Now, we um, we have a diverse history and we have different services. I mean, we do offer um, like data. The first thing we actually had offered as, as a company historically was uh, you know, ads management for Google, Facebook, like all the ad platforms. And, uh, we knew that, uh, like we knew that we wanted to do it in a data driven way. Like, you know, my partner has a lot of, uh, experience on the ad front. We knew we wanted to do it in a data driven way. 
um, and really um, and really hone into that. So that's why we started <coughs> with push analytics. Um, and then um, you know we do uh, process build out, CRM consultations, like kind of like really getting your full process like end to end organized. I have a ton of B two B experience, um, and uh, really getting your processes organized end to end, and uh, and just you know data consults. So I mean we we can think of it as like we almost have like three divisions. So the advertising side, the process and business consulting side, and then the data data division, right? So uh, we build out integrations for people, reports, and you know, a lot of different cool things. You know, it seems to me that there's not a lot of companies out there that bring all three of those together. And I love kind of how you broke that down to explain what you do do. And um, so often companies will do one of those, but not the others. And, and so people are left with, you know, kind of this chimera sort of this three-headed monster they, they don't know what to do with it but yet uh, here you are bringing it all together so that's awesome great use of the word chimera <laughs> <laughs> well i i know i woke up with that word this morning it's just the weirdest thing anyway um <laughs> I, I know that you know you talk again about the importance of businesses establishing a solid sales process um you know, even before they start to implement a, a CRM or any other sort of tech, um, what do you see as the essential basics of a successful sales process that every company should have? And, you know, that seems like a basic question, but yet I do think there are companies out there that miss some of the basics. Yeah, it's not a basic question, actually. It's a great question. And, um, you know, a lot of companies don't have it you don't have the basics, like you said, or, or you know, whatever, right? They, even bigger, smaller companies, I mean, you see it a lot where um, they're missing things on the process side. They, they don't really have a set uh, good sales process. Uh, just things fall between the cracks. And, and it could be simple things like, hey, um, you know, you get leads inbound and you don't have a way of keeping track of the leads that you're getting inbound or following up on them. I mean, if you have, uh, if you have a process by which, let's say, you go out and do estimates for people. Let's say you're a contractor, you go out and do estimates for homeowners on something and you get those leads in, but you don't have any way of keeping track of that or following up on them. A lot of things are falling between the cracks, right? So uh, it could be quote unquote small things, but I mean, that's kind of ultimately what a good process is. It's a bunch of small things that are organized in a way that add up to uh, significant, you know, uh, productivity at the end. Um, a lot of times when we're doing consults, I, I, uh, or we're, we're talking on webinars, uh, we kind of ask people like, where do you feel like your processes are right now? And, and we put up a, a slide with like, you know, four answers, like very good, not good, bad, or non-existent. Now it's a little bit of a trick question because um, when people put non-existent, the thing is every single business has processes. And it's something very important to understand because the process is just, you know, a way to get from point A to point B. So if you have customers, you have a process now, you might not be paying attention to your process or be cognizant of that. So you're, you know, you might not have a great process, but ultimately you do have a process. So it's something very important to take, uh, take full attention to, uh, because it's there regardless and it's going to impact you regardless. And it's, it's very low hanging fruit, relatively speaking, to be able to, um, you know, address that and make sure that you're getting the best out of it. What do you think sometimes, you know, stands in the way um, of people developing good sales processes? I mean, uh, they just get busy with other stuff. You know, what else ends up taking priority? And, you know, I guess furthermore, what sort of failures um, have you seen happen um, because people were missing key parts of that? 
Yeah, so I mean, there's a lot of things. So, so the first part is obviously the education part, and that's why I kind of, you know, I said what I said about you know everybody has a process. I think it's important to realize that, right? I mean, it's kind of like when you go to, uh, I don't know, when you go to the doctor and you start doing blood work and they tell you something like you whatever and your blood is high. I mean, you've had that the whole time. You just never paid attention to it, right? So. Um, it's not like it's not there. You've had to eat healthy the whole time. You had a diet, right? And people, people say the same thing with diet, like diet, anything is a diet, right? It's not what you're doing to lose weight or whatever is a diet. Anything is a diet. It's just a bad diet. (laughs) So, uh, so it's the same thing, right? Anything is going to be a process. It just could be just a bad process. So you ignoring it doesn't mean that it's not there. So I think the first thing is like really the educational piece of like how critical this really is. Um, but then it's like, not understanding how to do it, not understanding um, you know, what to look for, not understanding where to start. Some people get overwhelmed, um, even though it shouldn't be, not understanding the um, or, or being able to kind of get the maybe the rest of the organization on board. Because again, you see this even in like very large organizations where it's like it's very hard for them sometimes to get the right process and implement the right process because they're sometimes disconnected. Maybe you have somebody who's in charge of making the process who um, there's a disconnect between them and the people who are going to be, let's say, running the process. Let's say you have like a, you know, I don't know, some VP of sales, but he's, and then the say wants the salespeople to do some process, but then the salespeople and the VP of sales that don't really see eye to eye, or he's not really aware of how they handle things. So they're not really accounting for things that the salespeople are dealing with. So then they're kind of like, um, mm, whatever. I mean, they don't really understand what we're doing anyways. So whatever. So you see that a lot too. So, um, yeah, you definitely need to be able to, if you are going to do a process, get an understanding of what's happening across the board um, down to the front line um, and be able to like kind of incorporate that into a process that works for both the organization internally and works for the people who have to interface with the actual customers as well and doesn't, doesn't introduce too much friction. Interesting. Well, you know, given that everyone, yeah, they've got some sort of process. It's a matter of whether it's a good one or not. But, you know, is there any sort of, you know, exercise that you lead folks through to help them evaluate their sales process to determine whether it's doing all that it should be. And and I guess I'm curious furthermore, I mean, um, do you see a sales process as something that, okay, we've got it set and we never have to mess with that again? Um, no. So it's more, it's a destination or is it something that, you know, is more of a journey? You're no, no, absolutely. And that, that's a great question because people oftentimes, and that's even one of the reasons why people might not do something because they might be like, well, they want to wait till they get whatever it is perfect. Like, right. I mean, mm-hmm. look, it's not, it's not going to happen that way. Right. You, you gotta, you gotta do a big chunk up front, get something good, decent enough starting. But then that's the kind of the whole point of, again, process and data, they go hand in hand. You're going to do the process. You're going to get your data. The data might actually lead you to make improvements on your process and not just the data of like what customers are doing, but also the, the data points on like what your sales team, for example, is doing. Right. It's like, uh, maybe you set a process a certain way, then you realize like, hey, the sales team, we thought their sales team was going to use this one feature a lot, or this one reminder feature a lot, whatever, and they're not. And then you talk to them and then it turns out they would rather have a reminder elsewhere in the process, for example, right? So uh, so that's really key. It's going to be evolving. It's going to be growing. You don't have to get 100% right up front, but you do, you do want to do something uh, up front. Uh, as far as like uh, where, to, uh, where to start or where to look at, I mean, one thing that we... So uh, first of all, when we consult with somebody, we always ask them, like, look, just tell me what your process is today, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and it doesn't matter. There's no, like, wrong answer. We're not judging 
that right. you know if your process is like super you know hey we have like this whole sophisticated thing that maybe is too complicated great if your process is spreadsheets great if your process is we write stuff on a napkin and we hand it to the customer and that's our sales process that's fine just tell us what it is there is no wrong answer and and you know <laughs> the napkin thing is, is more common than you think uh, <laughs> <laughs> no. so, i was going uh, to ask that yeah 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 <laughs> um I, I got that reference actually but from my you know work in construction days and then i've been using that with other you know industries and it's like um very useful because a lot of people are at that that is their whole process right so um and again there's no like wrong answer so uh we kind of take it from there and, and then start working through now one way to look at it, um, and, and a lot of times on webinars and stuff like that, um, we uh, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll go through kind of like there's a diagram that we'll show. But um, where do you start? Well, you got to look at the process from the thing that matters the most for your business, which is your customers. So you kind of just, if you walk through like where the customer starts interfacing with your brand and kind of move downwards, that's kind of where you can start seeing the different, different processes. Because by the way, it's not just a sales process. It's actually... This is, your business is a series of processes, just like your body is a series of like systems, right? Like, you know, you have the digestive system, you have the respiratory system, you have whatever, right? So you have all these systems that all have to work within each other, uh, okay? Like there's different components, but then they also have to connect to each other, right? So they, there's still like key points at which they connect to each other. They, they're not, they don't operate in a void. So your sales process has to work within itself. But then your sales process connects to other things, right? To like maybe your marketing process or your lead, your lead gen process. And then on the other side, it connects to uh, the operations side and like the you know service side, which by the way is a huge friction point that people don't even pay attention to. Um, so um, uh, yeah, so you kind of start looking at like your customer comes in, they come in, they find out about you through different ways. Then they come and they might be interested. Let's say they come to your website, they might be interested and they put in their info. And that's kind of like the first aspect, which is like the lead management process. So then you start and then you kind of keep going down um, is is the way that, um, you know, to think about it and be able to look at it. So. Very interesting. Well, I, I want to kind of go skip ahead a little bit and talk about the subject of implementation. And really it could be implementation of, of a change in the sales process it could be implementation of a new crm or some other tech or or an advertising platform um you know i I think sometimes businesses spend a lot of time you know i almost want to say in their ivory tower and they kind of strategize and map these things out or they pursue this new tech or whatever but they don't really get good buy-in from their team members. And so the whole thing kind of falls apart during implementation. Any suggestions for how business managers and leaders um, should handle that as far as, you know, having a, a successful implementation of something new? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'd, th- I'd say getting key input or, you know, having a business leader that maybe already has some understanding, but getting key input from key people at the front. Look, I mean, Anytime you're doing a new process, there's always going to be, um, even if it's a great process, even if the tools are great and everything, there's always going to be um, a little bit of friction just because people have to get used to doing something in a new way, which, which that's, that's perfectly natural, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's getting some buy-in um, and some feedback from the people who are going to be using it. So, you know, oftentimes, let's say, uh, let's say you're working with like a VP of sales to set up like a new sales process. And then one thing you might be like is like, hey, let's get one of your like star salespeople uh, on the call with us, right? As we're talking through this in the planning stage, right? You don't want the whole sales team on the call. It's not going to be that sure. productive, right? Uh, but maybe here, like, let's get one or two of your star salespeople or people that um, 
can also throw in some stuff and they might come and everybody's working on something and then they're like, hey, you know, actually this one thing uh, you guys uh, you guys have to understand we whenever we send out contracts to the customers, it's like we need to get them back right away. We can't wait a day. Like they might give you like these little things that are like really key. Um, and then you start incorporating some of their feedback. So then um, then when you go out and you're actually, you know, build it, um, then you're able to uh, you're able to kind of like relate back to the sales team, like it's from something that actually originated from them. Um, so that's one aspect is like incorporating feedback from um, you know, somebody in the sales team on the front lines. Uh, but then the second is uh, your choice of tools uh, should be something that's you know, intuitive or easiest to use. I can talk more about that. Um, but um, And then third is um, you want to make sure to have the appropriate training. Uh, and that's why anytime like we're doing like a CRM build out or you know, anything, there's always, always a tail end of that. The training as part of the scope is like really, really important. Like you want to have like a training to get the people uh, to understand like what 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 what's happening, what are we doing, uh, with like very clear with very clear steps. Like if you have a sales product, like a lot of times there's like a deal pipeline in your CRM. Uh, you want to have very clearly the de- delineated steps to be able to show um, what's going on um, and where what what defines what's in each step. Um, you know, uh, so um, and and the training is very key. And as part of that training, you want to show them how this is beneficial to them as well, right? Because there's elements of the process that are kind of beneficial, maybe more internally or to like a sales leader. But there's, if you do it right, uh, there's elements that are going to be beneficial to the frontline people. Like if you, when you put in, um, when you put in your estimates, you know, we ha- you have automation that you get reminders if, uh, you know, a customer didn't buy or didn't move forward after, you know, two weeks, for example. Well, that's going to help. Yeah, okay. So somebody else is going to see the reporting. That's fine. But that's also going to help you because, because now um, you're going to get more sales <laughs> because you might have forgotten about stuff. You might have gotten overwhelmed. You know, I might pull up a report and be like, hey, did you know that you did like 40 estimates like, that you worked with the customer in the past like four months and only like three of them bought? Like there's probably more that would have bought, but you know, you probably just forgot about them or you just can't see them in, in a clean way. Um, and the, the last thing on that actually is, is uh, and this is something that's really on the company, but that having a really good company culture matters a lot, right? So if you're like kind of sitting in, if management or whoever's sitting on ivory tower and it's like, you know what, we want to make a process because we want to like really see what the sales guys are doing. And it's kind of like in a way that's just more like, you need to have it in a way that um, if fosters like, Hey, we want to, we want to all communicate like guys, it's, it's fine. Like the, the, these reports are here. These things are here to help all of us grow. Right. So having that culture is really important. Um, we were doing this once with like a, with like a service, uh, it was like a service type, uh, uh, process that we were building after we built the sales. And, uh, we started doing like certain reports on like, you know, time to close ticket time to, uh, like number of tickets handled and stuff like that. And one of the things like we made a point of saying is like, look, there, there's no, there's no bad there's no bad maybe a rep is working on some more complex tickets right like so so but we just need to be able to see it and then have the conversation of like hey do you need help hey like what can we do to help you um you know as opposed to like hey todd why the hell are your tickets taking way longer to close than drawing right. closing them really fast right but that that that's the, just a bad culture it's just not going to help anybody well and, and i loved you know where you talked about that implementation what i was kind of getting a picture there was you know you want to get some buy-in from folks so you know some of your respected people in the organization really become champions for what it is mm-hmm. that you're trying to implement and so you want to makes makes a lot of sense um 
talk a little, tell me a little bit about training uh, at Push Analytics and um, what does that look like when you're training a company to implement, you know, a CRM or whatever it might be? Is, is this done virtually? Is it done in person? Is it ongoing? Is it a one shot and done sort of thing or what? What's yeah, I mean, all, all the above are options. Right? <laughs> I think it depends on it depends on the uh, actual uh, it depends on the you know implementation and the scope and everything. But all the above are options. I mean, some people do want ongoing help. We do offer ongoing services where uh, it's beyond training. Like we help maintain, we help like you know clean up and, and tweak. And if you like a CRM tool, if you're using that, we help like maintain that. Um, but definitely um, at the at the minimum, uh, if we're doing any sort of scope, we want to have at least at least like you know we'll, like this is again the minimum. You want to have at least like one or two sessions where. You're really getting um, the team to understand like what's happening um, and uh, to understand like what you implemented, and it, it's always very, it's always like we're going specifically through what their implementation is, right? So, um, so you really want that because you want them to have like uh, uh, visibility. I mean, you need the process to be uh, obviously clean, and you need them to have the visibility as to like what's happening and why it was done, and to be able to like use the tools, right? So, if you're implementing a CRM. Um, I mean, there's some certain things you need to show. Like we're we're a top. Uh, we work with different scenarios, but we're a top. Uh, like for example, HubSpot partner. We're in their top ten percent, like platinum tier. And uh, you know, it's always like people, people might know how to use it. Uh, and I do like HubSpot is easy to use, so uh, that's one good thing that helps with kind of the adoption. Like we were saying, Todd, people might know how to use it, but they might not know like, hey, this cool feature that like saves you a lot of time, right? There's been a lot of times where I show like uh, a feature on a call. That maybe is like you know how to send like a snippet of text like right save it and like reuse it and then people like they're like what like their devices <laughs> kind of like go lit up and they're like wow like and then they get really excited and you can tell they're getting really excited because they're like wow this saves me time so now they're not like really thinking of like I gotta do this because I gotta do it they're like oh this actually saves me a lot of time so you get, they kind of start seeing that they get excited they want to use it now um, and that just helps with the uh, uh, buying again there's another part of the company culture that that the company kind of has to to do but um, you know, uh, at the very least, yeah. So you, you want to have that m- as a minimum, the initial trainings to, to get that initial push. Um, and then depending on the organization, depending on its needs, it can be like ongoing training, ongoing improvement, um, you know, or they could be doing something internal to kind of keep pushing and keep monitoring or, or however ways. Well, I was going to ask you just, I think answered it for me there, but I was going to ask if you offered additional training or support after Absolutely. after yeah, that we, initial phase or if that's something that falls to the crm platform then no to, no no we offer no 100 percent. we offer initial support i mean the, the, the tech supports at the platforms are just that they're just going to give you a tech support they're not going to give you sales yeah. consulting and coaching and, and training on how to use a specific implementation so no no we do offer uh we do offer ongoing support uh you know uh, again as an optional right so that's why i say they just depend um, so, you know, when we do a scope, we're first understanding the business where we understanding exactly what's happening in the business, where they are today. Uh, we discuss that so we can take them from where they are to where they want to go or, or need to go. Uh, you know, we map it out, you know, we, have, we do a lot of flow charts, like we map it out and show like exactly what happens, where in the process or should happen. Um, and then we discuss like what we want to implement and do there. So we're doing all that, uh, first before, uh, so that everybody can kind of see uh, what's going on and be on the same page and, and map it out uh, so that you don't end up with like some sort of cyclops where it's just like a you know one-eyed process and you're not really seeing what's going on and you end up with all these automations and all these things and you're like 
I can't tell what's happening and it just looks like a big monster, right? So, um, uh, so a lot of times, because a lot of times we do that, we jump into CRM implementations, they have no visibility, they have a lot of automations. You ask them, like, why do you guys have this? What is this doing? What is it supposed to be doing? I don't know. I don't know. Somebody set it up three years ago and we have no idea what they did, right? So, um, so that's not good either. So, we'll, we'll, we'll sit there, we'll, we'll basically map that out, um, we'll show everything, we'll look at it together. And again, this is in collaboration with the client because we have to have their input like a lot. We ask a lot of questions, right? We're looking at it together and we're like, okay, hey, um, you might be like, oh, actually, can you add this here? Can you add a reminder here? You know what? Oh, I like how you guys mapped out that uh, after the estimate, we're going to send a reminder email. Uh, we're going to send an email to the customer like, hey, thank you for getting an estimate from us. And two days later, we're going to send them an email like, hey, did you call your sales rep, for example? You might be like, yeah, we lose a lot of people there. Can you actually add another two emails there, for example, right? Uh, so we map all that out, and this is before we've built anything in any tool. Um, and then once we have that laid out, then we're off to the races and we actually go and, and build that into the tool. So that's a little bit different about uh, how we do it. Um, you know, even working with like other people like just on the CRM side, they might just jump into the tool. We don't do that because you need to be on the same page and we need to map things out. And that part is actually harder than the actual building out of the tool. So uh, the, the context really matters a lot. So I like that, you know, thought of of mapping things out makes a lot of sense um i'm kind of curious is that a lot of how your relationship looks you know and works with your clients or is there anything you know you do up front when you you know first have a potential new client um that really helps them assess the areas where maybe you or or new processes can help them what what does that look like early on yeah yeah of course so if we're talking a new client i mean we obviously do discovery, um, and we understand, um, and and we we understand. Kind of, we help them understand and, and work with them to understand, like where where they are today, right? So so you might come to me, you might be like, Hi, I already have, I already have a CRM, and we're not using it. And I'm like, okay, well, what do you, which which features do you have? What CRM do you have? Yeah. You know, what are you doing? You might be like, I have HubSpot. I'm like, well, hubs do you have? What did you buy? What do you? Let's let's look at let's look at your current implementation. Let's see what you're using, what you're not using. So depending on that, like the conversation could take different approaches. I mean, you might be like, we don't have anything. Like we don't have a CRM. We, we use spreadsheets, right? So then I might be like, well, show me your spreadsheets. And we start looking at your spreadsheets and we start talking about like what we can do. Um, and oftentimes we'll phase it, right? So you don't want to start with everything right away because let's say you're like, you know that you want to do stuff on the sales side, stuff on the marketing side, stuff on the service side. But, you know, we just want to chunk it off a little bit. So we might be like, okay, well, the hottest thing, just based on kind of what we're looking, what we're talking about is you guys don't really have anything on sales, but you have a lot of leads coming in. So so maybe let's focus on getting you up and running on a CRM for the sales side and build that process out um, based on the spreadsheets and stuff that you guys have. We can maybe move that over, make some reports based on the spreadsheet. We talk to you and then be like, Todd, do you agree? And you might be like, yeah, that sounds good. Or yeah, can we also add this? And then we build a scope, like a plan of work, a scope of work out. Um, everybody sees it before we start, so everybody's on the same page as to what we're going to be diving into. So, so we do, we dive in before we dive in, but um, but I meant kind of when well, we dive in, obviously more when we start the scope. So, um, you know, uh, we we're going to refer to some of the stuff. So then we start that scope and be like, okay, Todd, like we we obviously talked about these spreadsheets, um, and we looked through them before, but now tell us more about how you guys generate these spreadsheets. Like, where does this information come from? Um, you know. How often do you guys fill? And we start asking like more specific questions on that, um, and then mapping that out. Do you ever work with like, say, you get a contractor that is running their business with spreadsheets, and they want to continue doing it that way? Do you 
do you work with them if they're set on continuing to use spreadsheets or do they need to move into a CRM? Uh, it, I mean, it depends, right? It depends on their needs. I mean, uh, we have worked with people who, yes, they do want to keep using spreadsheets. And, and actually one time, one time we were, uh, it was uh, one of our marketing clients because all, all the time when we're doing marketing, um, you know, we always also want to look at certain aspects of the process because if we're going to do ad, like Google ads for you and we're going to help you get leads, but your leads go to a dead end and a black hole, then it doesn't really matter. You can spend a million dollars on leads and you can get a hundred thousand of them, but nobody answers the phone and nobody does anything. So it doesn't really matter. Then you're going to just come and be like, I'm not getting leads, but you are. So, so we always look at that. So uh, this was a contractor. They were, uh, uh, we wanted to make sure that they had a way to look at the leads. We were, we were initially kind of telling them like, let's get on a CRM. And then they, they're like, we have something. So they had a, it wasn't exactly spreadsheets. It was Airtable, if you guys ever heard of that, which is um, kind of like, uh, you know, it's a fancier spreadsheet. It is kind of a spreadsheet, but it's if you can connect them to each other. A little more like project that. management. Yeah a little, bit, yeah, a little bit more project management. So they were using like spreadsheets and Airtable, essentially. We looked at it and we asked them a few questions and we're like, all right, this is good enough for now. Like we could just make some tweaks, but this is good enough for now. Like we can work with this, right? So it, it depends. But at some point, you guys are going to need to stay around, but not right now, right? So... Um, so it just depends. Um, yeah, it depends on you know what they need and, and how flexible they are. I mean, obviously, if somebody is completely like doesn't want to change anything about what they're doing at all, well then they're not really that serious about it, right? But but if they're like you know they're comfortable with spreadsheets, they want us to see if there's a way that they can continue to use spreadsheets as part of their process. Um, if it makes sense, I mean, it's something we could you know look at, but. Again, it just it just really depends. Is is, is the answer? <laughs> it just really depends. But uh, but I would definitely have a conversation with them. And be like, why don't you want to get on a CRM and try to understand that and explain to them like kind of the benefits or not. But ultimately, like we always want to do what's like what's going to help the business. So so like in the example I told you, for example, even though we kind of went in with the hypothesis of like this is kind of the CRM plan we want to do, when we saw what they did and we saw that it's actually good enough, we're like, you know what? Just keep what you have, right? So we're not we want to see what's going to help the business. So we're going to work together to figure that out. As long as they have an open mind, um, then that's then that's totally fine, right? And uh, we want to hear all that they have to say and, and why they have to say and kind of go back and forth and like why one thing is better than the other or not. I, I'm curious, what are some you know trends or developing technologies or maybe even things you see in your crystal ball that don't even exist today um, that you see coming up in the future that are really going to have an impact on how companies do business and do sales and lead gen and all that type of stuff? Yeah, I mean, we uh, well, we are on construction disruption, and I do want to say that I think um, I think construction is ripe for disruption, right? Mm -hmm. So I think that um, um, I think that a lot of um, a lot of construction businesses, um, it's just there's not a lot of people with both construction experience and tech experience. So a lot of construction businesses, and, and I mean, like, I mean, people know how to use tech. That's not what I mean, but I mean, like technology background, right? Like working at a tech company or whatever. And there's not a lot of people, like the people who went to technology, like when I used to work at uh, Schneider, for example, I, I, you know, it was like a hidden universe that like, I'm like, wow, nobody knows any of this exists, but it's like a huge part of the world, right? Like, I mean, I, the way I got the job was, was I was looking for a certain type of job. I knew one, like a sales engineer job. I, I didn't know who Schneider was or who any of these companies were like, you know, train or any of the other companies that I was, you know, uh, possibly going to work for. 
And uh, they came to our universities, right? And it was like, oh, they had a good sales program, so sure, why not? Um, then when I started, I started like looking and I started looking at the catalog and I started like understanding what a breaker was and what all this stuff was. And I'm like, wait, this stuff is everywhere. Like it's not, this isn't like some secret thing that they sell a niche product. This is literally <laughs> in every house and every infrastructure like possible, right? Um, and, but yet nobody knows about it. Like, you know, even if you studied electrical engineering in college or something, you don't know, like you don't really know what, a, what any of this stuff is, right? So, um, so that's kind of the thing, right? It's not one of those fields. It's not like tech, for example, where everybody knows that. Like, oh, I got a friend that worked at Google or Facebook or whatever and makes however much money and everybody just wants to be in tech. It's not like that which I think is a nice, it's a cool thing. But, uh, but at the same time, uh, I think that you're going to start seeing um, there's just more opportunity there. I think that's a good thing because there's more opportunity, right? So uh, construction businesses and stuff a lot of times, and again, this, this, is, uh, this is not a bad thing. Um, it's like haven't been doing certain things in a certain way um, and haven't been leveraging some of the stuff that's been used in other industries as much. Uh, so there's a huge opportunity, and I think the contractors and distributors um, and the businesses that are going to take advantage of this and actually use digital, use the right digital tools, you know, do the right digital marketing, fix up their processes, they're going to thrive, right? That, that's that's what I think, right? I mean, I, I worked extensively with uh, uh, with with distributors also, I mean, with contracts, I worked with distributors um, and users and, and consultants too, but I worked with distributors when I was at Schneider. And uh, one of the things, again, that I see is like what other types of businesses are doing or have been doing um, to some degree um, that is not really on the digital side, is not really being done as much on like the distributor side yet, right? So, so it becomes like a lot easier. So for example, if you're in a, let's just say you're like a lawyer or something, everybody in every lawyer is doing Google Ads, right? And if you come to buy, it's an auction. If you guys are familiar with Google Ads, mm-hmm. I mean, you're, I know it's a little bit of a tangent. You're clicking on an ad and you're bidding a keyword for the most part, um, right? So it's kind of an auction unofficially. Um, so you might say like, hey, uh, personal, like you might want to bid on if somebody types, I need a personal injury lawyer in Google. You might want to say, well, I want to pay for that keyword or these keywords, right? So um, the keywords are really expensive though because A, law is expensive and B, there's a lot of lawyers that are willing to bid for this because they know that if I spend $100 for a click or $200 for a click, every 10 people from those, one of them is going to call us and be a customer and we're going to make $5,000. So whatever, who cares if we had to spend $2,000 even, like, right? So, um, so they know that, but they're all doing it, right? Now, imagine you're in a, in a field like a contract or whatever, they're not doing it as much. So you might not really be competing against anybody, even though... Um, even though it's worth a lot of money. So you might actually be able to get like very, like a very good advantage, um, you know, so to speak, right? So if you're bidding like whatever a service near me and nobody else is really doing that, it's, it's kind of open market. So uh, I've seen a lot of that. Um, I think that's going to be something very interesting to pay attention to. That's why, you know, anytime I talk to any of my construction contacts, I'm like, you know, you really got to get on this because this is like a huge, huge opportunity. A few episodes ago, we had a gentleman from Zurich, Switzerland, and uh, as our guest, and his whole topic was, you know, talking about entrepreneurialism uh, and the opportunities that exist out there in construction because we are such a huge and varied industry and on the cusp of so much advancement and disruption. And so, you know, he's talking about, hey, there's opportunities out there. Find something and pursue it. And so, Absolutely. yeah, good stuff. Absolutely. 
Well, thank you so much, uh, Mustafa. This has been very informative and great to hear about push analytics. Um, we're kind of close to wrapping up what we call the business end of things, and then we'll have a little bit more fun. But um, is there anything we haven't covered today that you'd like to share with our audience? Yeah, I mean, I would just say, like, kind of as we're wrapping that up, that I mean, we talked about different things, obviously, but but one thing to just know is that really, like, pay attention to your process, um, really look at that and your tools. And and the one thing that I like to say about process that that's kind of unique is that if you're as long as you're a business and you have customers and you know your any improvement to your process is as guaranteed to our uh, as you're going to get ROI as anything else, right? Because it's something that's already more in your control, right? If you're doing like marketing or you're putting up billboards or you're putting up Google ads or whatever, you have to worry about like, okay, like, are they going to come? Are they going to click on my website? Are they going to, no, and you have to figure that out. I mean, there's a process to figuring that out. Uh, no pun intended, but, um, but it's like, it's a little bit more distant, right? Whereas when you are building up, like we're fixing up your sales process, it's all stuff that is in your boundaries. It's in your organization. These are all leads that you have. These are all estimates that you have. So, it's, you're basically like extracting, you know, relatively free money um, out of what you already have. Because if you already, if you already do, let's say, 100 estimates a quarter, and um, right now you got 10 of them eventually sign up, and you can bring that number up to 15, you already have the 100 estimates. You already did the estimates. You already have the contacts. You know, but with like a better process, better follow up, better management of lead cycle. Now you brought it up to 15. You just increased your revenue without doing anything externally like I, you know so uh, it's like a huge opportunity and, and it's the same thing for like efficiency um, if you were able to make like a more efficient service process um, and now your service team can get to people back quicker uh, and the customers are happier uh, you can take on more customers uh, and the customers are happier so they're more likely to come and it's like something that you, you have full control over so that's something I love about process because uh, again we do marketing projects do process projects we do like all, all sorts of things so that's something I love about process is that um, that ability to like really control um, what's happening because it's all inside. It's all in your turf. It's all in your turf. You're not, you're not waiting for them to pass you the ball like you are with marketing. It's all in your field. Right. So um, that's why it's super key to like really pay attention to this. And, and, um, and even if people want to reach out and, and, you know, ask us questions or pick our brains, we, we can, we can definitely do that as well too. So don't feel overwhelmed by it. Well, we're going to put this in again later, but how, what is the best way for folks to uh, contact you? Yeah, absolutely. So I, I would say just email us directly. Just keep it simple. So um, you can send it to hello at pushanalytics.com and just put in the title that you came from, Construction Disruption. Um, and then the team will go ahead and, and, and route it and uh, we can jump on a call with you guys. Um, and I can even jump on a call with you and we can we can really talk through it. So uh, as long as you just put that in, you know, we have everybody to know that, um, you know, we'll, we'll take care of you guys if, if you come up. Well, and that's great advice. Just looking for those little opportunities that, you know, will end up having significant ROI um, and, you know, letting them build on each other. And uh, so good advice. Well, uh, Mustafa, before we close out, I have to ask you if you're willing to participate in something we call our rapid fire questions. Nice. So this is the way we close out shows. This is a series of seven questions. We ask you some, some are on the serious side. Some are a little silly. Um, are you up to the challenge of rapid fire? Let's go. Let's try it out. Awesome. Can't promise um, what the answers will be, but let's go. <laughs> <laughs> well, we will alternate asking if that's okay. Ryan, you want to ask question number one? I would love to. I was hoping you would throw this one my way because I love this question. If you could have dinner with any historical figure, 
who would it be? Would there be zucchini served? And what's the first question you would ask them? Man, I have so many that I would want to, like just so many politicians. I mean, you know, I'll go with Abraham Lincoln. I think I'd go with Abraham Lincoln. And uh, cool. would there be zucchini served? I mean, if he likes it, I, I'm not a zucchini fan. Sorry, Ryan. But uh, if he likes it, sure. No, we'll, we'll, we'll do that. And um, I would just really, I don't know if it would be a question, but I would just really like want to pick his brain because I do think he's an interesting uh, personality. And, and, and I mean, I don't know, like I were 200 years removed or whatever, but it's like you look at it and you read it and you're like, wow, this guy cared like way above and beyond what you would think that, you know, politicians usually do, right? Like he really like sacrificed to, to actually like try to get things done, right? So I kind of want to pick his brain and, and be like, you know, like kind of just, you know, feel him out, honestly. I mean, it, sounds, it sounds silly, but I, that's something that's always like been curi- curious to me, um, you know, when you read about the different, like he, he feels like a politician that wasn't really a politician and was really trying to, honest to God, just do something. Um, because some of the things he said and some of the stances he took, there's no way you're going to take that if you didn't have some level of like genuine, true concern. Yeah. Um, and that's not that common in that space, right? Um, yeah. Um, so wow. uh, people are usually doing same things to like appease an audience or whatever, but, but I, it doesn't seem, again, it's hard to tell. We're not alive at the time, but it doesn't seem that way, but I, I'd want to know. <laughs> I, I want to find that out. <laughs> he seemed to be working more from conviction than he was yes. from how do I get elected again? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Like, how do I actually help people? How do I help the country? And not, like, not like, how do I just win votes? Right. Yeah. Which sometimes can get conflated, but in times of like true crisis like that, um, it's very hard to it's very hard to do what he did if you don't have any conviction. I, I am voting that the best answer to a rapid fire question <laughs> in the history of construction disruption. <laughs> oh, good one. Good. Okay. Question number two: Do you have a hobby or an activity you enjoy that might surprise people? I mean, I like to do a lot of things. Um, Surprise, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I like working with electronics, for example, but that's not really going to surprise people. I mean, I just like the Shredder Electric, although I had that hobby from before. Um, I like biking. Um, cool. I don't know if that, yeah. So I don't know anything that's going to like necessarily surprise people. Like, I, I don't like, for example, like jumping off parachutes and skydiving or anything crazy like that. So, uh, um, yeah, I do have a lot of hobbies. Um, I don't know that any of them will be uh, particularly surprising. Um, but, um, but yeah, I mean, I did do, uh, I was into, um, like, uh, like a lot of just learning about like crypto and stuff like that. So if anybody yeah. ever wants to have a crypto conversation, that was like kind of a little bit of a hobby. So, um, that may be one. But, uh, Very good. Question number three, what's the last TV show, movie, or book that you couldn't stop talking about? Um, well, it was the last one that I watched. I went to watch the last Spider-Man, uh, I guess across the Spider-Verse, uh, with my wife and, um, I couldn't stop talking about it, but maybe not for the same reasons that people would not be able to stop talking about it. Uh, we have like a, yeah, I, uh, uh, I was really annoyed that it was to be continued and I don't really, I don't go to the movies that often. Uh, I'm not like a big movie theater person. Like we'll watch stuff at home on Netflix or whatever, but I'm not like a big movie theater person. Uh, but I did because it was like an occasion I went with my wife and I was like, it's, it's like, like I get like, I need to talk and move a lot. So like when I have to sit in the seat for like three hours and not say anything, it's very hard for me. So 
I'm like, all right, like getting jittery. It's a good movie, by the way. Uh, I'm getting jittery, and I'm like, okay, okay, okay. And I'm like, this spot is like here, and there's like this movie's been going on for hours. Like, how much longer is left? And then all of a sudden, it's like to be continued. I'm like, man, come on! I didn't know that. I didn't know it was gonna be to be. I wouldn't even have watched it. I would have just waited till the next one came out. Now I have to wait, and like, I, I can't. So I, I couldn't stop talking about that. And my friends are like, you're like, um, they're like, we can't believe you can't appreciate this masterpiece, and this is what you're talking about. And I'm like. Sorry, guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, another good answer. Next question. Do you have a bucket list vacation that you hope to take someday? I like traveling a lot, um, but it's it's a lot easier said than done, obviously. <laughs> so yeah. I have kids, I have stuff. So I do like traveling. We do travel. But um, I mean, I think like being able to travel, like if I had like, you know, just an undetermined amount of time, like being able to travel, like, the entire world like one of my friends um and it's smart he did this before uh before like he doesn't have kids or anything so he actually went and like i think did like a whole like europe cross country like cross continent like drive or something like i don't know i think he went to like how, i don't know how many countries and like i've never been to europe but i think he went to like uh like a bunch of like five six seven countries in like one trip and like kind of just drove across i think that's really cool because like just getting to see like how different countries operate and how they do things and stuff like that i think that's like really cool Good that would be fun yeah Question number five, what is a product or service that you have purchased uh, recently that was kind of a game changer for you? Something that, you know, kind of made you say, where have you been all of my life? Oh, um, I got a, I got a standing desk. Um, I didn't get it necessarily just because it's a standing desk, but uh, it was one from like a company that um, I had a friend that had that and I really liked it. And I, and I always wanted a desk. Well, first of all, a lot of desks you buy online now, they don't have like real wood. It's, it's all like laminate and MDF and whatever. And, and I was like, I want real wood. Like, I just want real wood. And uh, yeah, and it's adjustable. So it's like really nice because um, the ergonomics are like, it's really important to have good ergonomics. If you sit at a desk all the time, I just, I just learned about this and I, I feel like it's like super key for everybody now. Um, and you can adjust it to like exactly your height. Um, and honestly, it's a game changer and it helps organize everything. Um, I, I decked it out with accessories. So I have like the wheels on it. I have the uh, bolt-on surge protector on it. So like all my plugs are now basically just, I only need one wire from the desk to the wall for the most part. Um, and I can just roll the desk to wherever mm -hmm. I want. So yeah, it's been a game changer. Um, I'm like really happy with it. I'm, you know, I'm sitting on it now and I feel good. You are our second person who that's been their answer, actually. So that's recently, kind of cool. yeah, yeah, recently. What yeah. brand? What's the uh, brand? I got I got Uplift Desk, so we'll, we'll give we'll give them free marketing. Yeah, I, I like it. I think I like it. Um, again, there, there's there's less expensive yeah. desks, but I, I liked the accessorizing fact of it. Like, um, you know, I have uh, like I, I I know somebody who is gonna offer. He's like, I already have the legs for building a desk, and he was just gonna give them to me and. I just had to buy the wooden thing and put it on. But I was like, I don't want to do that. I want to buy like a ready, like a ready-made desk with the accessories I want, like the way I want it. Cause I'm not, I'm not going to buy a desk every year. Like hopefully, right. I'm just going to buy it. Probably never buy one for like another five, 10 years. Uh, kind of like Todd's video on the metal roofs, right? Like, Hey, we bought it and we made a good investment one time and now we're chilling and everybody else is still changing their roofs. Right. And, you, you know, go. it's the same thing. With desk, just you get the right one and hopefully do the same. So, Good stuff. Okay, next to last question. Um, what would you like to be remembered for at the end of your time? Um, I really would hope that, you know, I can be remembered for, like, helping people. I mean, I do. Um, and actually, that was going back to your bucket list question. That was one thing I forgot. I, there is one thing where, like, if I was, like, I just didn't have to work as much or whatever. Like, sometimes when you hear of, like, oh, there's, like, a, 
uh, a natural disaster or something or whatever, you kind of like just go on help for like a week. Mm-hmm. It's really hard though. Like, you know, if you're not like retired, right. or like, it's like, you know, it's like already hard enough to like manage and take your family on vacation, like just finding time and stuff. So it's hard. Uh, but I would want to be able to do that at some point. I, I hope that I can. Like, you know, hey, there's a hurricane. Let's go help clean up and let's go help yeah. people and, and, and stuff like that. So, I mean, just uh, helping people. Um, I, I do really think that like, um, and I do think like when you help people, it actually helps you. Um, kind of in a weird way. It's, it's funny. In, um, in high school, uh, I used to be... Uh, I used to be really good at physics um, uh, and we were taking like AP physics and I was like, uh, I don't know, like legendarily good according to some people. I, I don't know. Like, that's what they so I was like really good at physics. So um, a lot of times I would be sitting there and people would just be calling me all the time and ask me questions and I'm like helping them study. And, um, you know, like, it, like my family would come up to me and be like, hey, um, like you need to study. Like, what are you doing? Like, you're just on the phone and you're just like, talking to people but you're not like studying on your own i'm like no but you don't understand like me helping them i actually understand the stuff way better and i don't need to study as much like it actually works to my advantage i mean that's not why i was doing it but it ends i just realized that it ends up working to my advantage like sometimes even more than it does to theirs i mean you know they're getting the value but i'm also getting that i'm explaining it and i'm understanding it better and then i just need to study less (laughs) you know so uh so it's very interesting um um, and I would always have these conversations with my family when they're like, hey, you, you got to study. You're just on the phone. I'm like, no, 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 no. Like, you, you don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, final question. If your life had a theme song that played every time you walked into a room, what would it be? Man, and I, I think I was asked this before too, and I don't think I know. I don't think I know. Um yeah, I'm gonna. I, I don't know. I, I don't even know what I said the last time, to be honest. Um, <laughs> but um, the thing is, like, do I really want the same theme song playing every time in a room? I think that's kind of the thing. I think the last question was kind of like, would you want that, or would you want like a different song every time? I don't know that I'd want the same exact one every single time. I think I'd I'd want to keep people on their toes a little bit, and I'd want to shift it every time. There you go. Or every so often, yeah. Well, you had great answers. That was fun. Um, yeah, yeah this, this is actually a really cool segment. I like it a lot. <laughs> well, thank you again for joining us here today. So these will be in the show notes. But um, again, for folks who want to get in touch with you, um, how can they most easily do that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So once again, um, just email us at hello at pushanalytics.com. Put in the, just put in the headline, construction disruption, right? Whatever you want in the email. The team will know to send that to me. Um, and, uh, yeah, I have a moderator on that email as well. Um, uh, so then I'll, 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 then I'll get back to you and we're happy to jump on a, if you want to jump on a call or something to talk about your business. I mean, for, again, for people listening to this podcast, just, just make sure that you put a construction disruption. So we take care of you guys. Great. That's a great solution. I like it. Yeah. So hello at pushanalytics.com. It should be pretty easy. So I'm pleased to report that uh, we were all successful with our challenge words. That was pretty cool. Um, Ryan, you had the word. <laughs> Zucchini. (laughs) Abraham Lincoln and Zucchini, perfect combination. Makes every bit of sense. Um, (laughs) I had the word chimera, which I had never, I'm not sure I'd ever heard it before. I think I've seen it before, but uh, I somehow squeezed it in there. You crushed it, though. That was a really good (laughs) use of chimera, by the way, I got to (laughs) say. You should put that as a clip on the teasers. (laughs) (laughs) And Mustafa, your word was? Cyclops. Which you also did a great job (laughs) working it in there. Good job. 
Yeah, yeah. I wanted to do a little more, but uh, and I, I forgot the first half. We were so into it, uh, and I, that's why I was initially going to use it. I was like, oh shoot, I forgot. I got I got to circle back and make a U turn and come into <laughs> it. Ah, <laughs> uh, this has been a great episode. Thank you. It's been a lot of fun. Thank you so much for joining us today. Absolutely. Well, and I will thank our audience too for tuning into this episode of Construction Disruption uh, with Mustafa Morsi of Push Push Analytics. Um, I encourage you, please watch for future episodes of our podcast. We always have great guests. Um, don't forget, please, to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or YouTube. Until um, the next time we're together, keep on challenging and disrupting, shaking things up out there, looking for better ways of doing things. And most important, don't forget to have a positive impact on everyone you encounter. Uh, Make them smile, encourage them, uh, simple yet powerful things we can all do to really change the world. Uh, So God bless and take care. This is Isaiah Industries signing off. Until the next episode of Construction Disruption. This podcast is produced by Isaiah Industries, manufacturer of specialty metal roofing and other building products.